tonight, I'm really excited about tonight. Tonight we are talking on the story in Daniel. And it's kind of more than one story, but we're bringing up some people in Daniel. Did you guys know that Daniel in the Bible was probably a teenager when he was taken into captivity? There was a mouse? <laughs> it was the mouse up there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You got the video? All right, we're going to play the video for Despo. That's what they were getting up. All right, go ahead. There's the mouse over here, John. You probably have to click on audience under pro presenter. Yeah. And then, did you drag it over? There it is. Woohoo! All right, let's do this. Lisa Bevere, huh? You guys are ridiculous. You want to do the recap from last year? It should be on, should be on the list. It should be under Pro Presenter in the library. If you push the escape button, that should be fine. Yeah. It's in Pro Presenter. It's in the library under, it should be foreground. It'll be a picture of a bunch of teenagers in a car. All right, you guys just want that one because you're in the video. <laughs> what, the other recap? What, the recap of last year? 
We don't have time. It's already like 7.17. We do not have time. Yeah, go find it yourself. <laughs> do you want... I'll do it next week. Do you want the recap video of last year that they showed when we were there down on the floor and they showed everything? Gotcha. Okay. We'll do that next week. All right. We are in a series titled what? Come on. That was weak. You yelled at me so much louder for way less. <laughs> What's the title? Young Faith. Yes. Young Faith. It's all about people who had faith that was young, they were new believers, or people that were literally young and had faith, right? So, Caitlin talked last week on Ruth, and her faith was young because she did not know God. It was brand new to her. She was a new believer. She says, I'm going to have faith in your God. This week, we are talking about some people who were in the nation of Israel. They grew up, were taught to know God at a young age, and they were young. In this story, it's found in Daniel. You can go there. Daniel, we'll do Daniel chapter 1. And in this story, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of an understanding of what's going on. So, the nation of Israel screwed up real bad. They kept doing horrible things. The kings were doing terrible things. Like, I mean, I'm talking like real bad. They weren't just speeding, okay? (laughs) They were doing terrible things. They were sacrificing their own children on altars in the temple of God. Really bad sin, okay? Super messed up, okay? And so because of their straying away from God, they're not following after him. They were worshiping other gods. God says, fine, you want to worship other gods? You can have the nation that worships those gods. (laughs) They're terrible. And so the Babylonians come They wreak havoc, they take them captive, they destroy Jerusalem, they do all sorts of different things, they ransack the temple, lay it to waste, awful things happen. And then they take their people captive for themselves. They basically make them into their slaves and have them do whatever they want. So, in the book of Daniel, it's verse 17, I'll I'll start with this. It says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. The four youth it's talking about, one of them is who? The the name's in there. It's the only name that was listed. Daniel, yes. I'm checking your critical thinking skills here. So Daniel is one of these youth, as well as there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who here has never heard those names before? You're like, who is that? Some of you, okay. Most of you have heard the names, though, probably, right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're also known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their Hebrew names. And then the nation of Babylon changed their names to a Babylonian one, okay? And it says here, like I read, these four youths, God blessed them. They They had great understanding. They had great skills to be able to do incredible things. They were able to work hard. They were able to do great things with what they worked hard at. They were great. They were well-respected. And they were youths. It says that, right? Four youths. A lot of scholars think they might have even been as young as 12 years old at this point. But they were probably teenagers at least. Who here is a teenager? Raise your hand. 
Stop. <laughs> you guys are capable of doing amazing things. That is the whole point of this series. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do awesome stuff. You can. But here's the deal. What are you meant to do awesome stuff for? Who are you meant to do awesome stuff for? You're not meant to live this life for yourself. Yes? Yes, for God. We're meant to do amazing things for him. To make his name known, not our name. John the Baptist said that he may increase and I may decrease. He was not concerned about his status and how many people he had following him. He wanted to make God known and what God wanted. So in Daniel, like I mentioned, these people come on the scene. They're young. They're youth. And they are the stuff. They know a lot. They're capable of knowing a lot. God has incredibly blessed them to do amazing things. They were exceptional young men in comparison to others. They stood out. Do you guys want to stand out, or do you want to just go with crap? <laughs> Sounds like you guys want to go with the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> in this story, here's what happens. It starts off where they get taken captive, and they're in a nation that does not love God, okay? Does even worse things than their own kings did, which were pretty bad, okay? They were barbaric. They were brutal. Horrible to the people that they took captive. It was awful, okay? And they take them specifically because they see them as having great potential to be great leaders in their nation. They're going around the world conquering countries, conquering places, being an empire. And they're like, well, we need people to lead these people, so we might as well take some of their people to be our leaders and teach them our ways, which is what they do. And so at this point, they're meant to eat the food that the king eats, which most people would be like, sweet, I get to eat in the palace. I get to eat the food the palace eats. This is great. Not if you're Jewish, though. And you're eating food that God says, no, nah, you're not supposed to be touching that stuff. And so that's what happens. They say, we can't eat that stuff. That stuff is not kosher. We're not going to do that. Nah, dude, that's nasty. We don't touch that stuff. So they say they're not going to eat it. How do you think that goes over? Do you think it would go over well? Telling a nation that takes you captive what you're going to do? <laughs> Probably not, right? So the guy that's in charge of them says, wait a second, if you don't eat that and you don't measure up compared to all the other men that are being raised to be leaders, it's going to be my head. <laughs> I'm going to die because I'm in charge of you. So Daniel says, okay, give us 10 days, test things out. We'll eat the food that we say we can eat, which was basically fruits and vegetables, stuff like that. No meats and no wine because it wasn't kosher for them, okay? Yeah, kind of like Lent. There you go. And 10 days go by, and they stand higher than the rest in recognition. They stand out even more. It says Daniel 1, verse 19 to 20, and the king spoke with them. He comes and checks them out for himself. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, 
he found them ten times better. That's a lot, right? Better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. He was in charge of a lot of people. And they stood out among all of them. Exceptionally. It wasn't just like, yeah, I mean, like, you're an A student. You're an A minus student. You're a B plus student. No, they took them just like crazy. They were way off the charts, way better than them. Stood out among them. God incredibly blessed them for their faith, for their devotion to God. Now, this might seem like not a big deal what they did. They were just not eating certain food, right? There's a lot of other things that God talked about that you could argue were way more important, right? They were way bigger deals, even to God. Eating food versus child sacrifice, right? Like, one of them's probably a bigger deal, right? So, in this story, this is what I see it as. It was a setup. Katie preached on Sunday, and she talked about the pit of preparation regarding Joseph and how it was a preparation for him, what he was going through for later down the line. If you weren't here, you should check out the sermon online. It was super good. And I feel like it's very applicable here, too. There's a lot of pits of preparation that show up in the Bible. And this is one of them. For them, there was a preparation as to their loyalty to God, where their faith lied. Was it in themselves? Was it in their nation? Was it in their government? Was it in their family? What was it in? And we see that their devotion was to who? It was to God and what he said was right. And they're like, no, not even the food I'm not supposed to eat will I touch. I'm not going to do it. And it was a test. It was a preparation for them later on in life. They had much bigger challenges down the road. There were much bigger tests that were going to come. Huge. And they needed to be prepared for those. And that's what God wanted them to be. He wanted them prepared. For them to eat the king's food was living like the world. In their eyes, that's what it was seen as. It was them living like the world, conforming to the way of the world. And they're saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live like everybody else. I'm going to live the way God tells me to. I'm going to live by his standards and his expectations. They refused to live the way the world was, no matter how unpopular their stance was. Do you think their position was very popular? (laughs) No, nobody else was doing it besides them. (laughs) Now, after everything was said and done, maybe they wished they would (laughs) have, because they were seen as much better, right? But this uncompromising faith they had was key for later. In Daniel 3, we see this thing actually come, come up. In Daniel 3, verse 1 through 6, this is a big chunk of Scripture, so pay attention, follow along. It's only six verses, but it's a mouthful, okay? In this situation, they get placed in a position where the nation of Israel is there in Babylon, they're in leadership now, and the rest of the leadership is with them, and they're all told that they need to worship a different god. So starting in verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall. 
and nine feet wide. The tree we had out there, it was like 20, 25 feet. So it's like three times that size. Huge, right? 90 feet tall and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. In short, it was all the main characters of the kingdom. (laughs) Right? It was all the big shots. That's right, main characters. (laughs) So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, then a herald shouted out. There's a guy named Harold shouted. Just kidding. (laughs) People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That sounds great. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No. And mind you, I would imagine these Hebrew boys would remember their ancestors bowing to a golden calf and it not going so great. (laughs) It's what? Sauna time. This warning doesn't stop them from remaining faithful to God and having faith that God will protect them. Some of the people go to the king and squeal on them that they're not worshiping it. Yeah, there's some Hebrew boys, there's some Jews that are not doing what you said. Verse 12, the king comes to them, confronts them, he's furious, he's super angry, tries to give them a second chance. But here's what their response is. You want to pop up the next verse? So in this, this is what is said about them to the king. It says, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods. And do not worship the gold statue you have set up. He's super mad. Gives them another chance. And then he comes to them, and here's their reply. Verse 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That's bold, right? Caitlin, did you get me water? No. Okay, thank you. This is pretty bold, right? They say that God will save them, and even if he doesn't, they're not going to do it. We always hear about God's unconditional love for us. They had unconditional faith to God. It wasn't like, you know, if God does this for me, then I'll do this for him. It wasn't, you know, if God answers this prayer, then I'll listen to him. 
Then I'll follow him. Then I'll love him. Then I'll be devoted to him. No, they say it doesn't matter what happens to us. We will be devoted to God alone. It doesn't matter if you throw us in a fire. Go ahead, do it. It's not going to stop us. The only thing that's going to stop us is killing us. And so he tries. <laughs> he takes them. He says, fill that furnace to the brim. Make it super hot. Mm, thank you. He tells them to really fire it up in there. <laughs> and here's what happens. It gets so hot that when they get thrown into the fire, the soldiers that throw them in there get killed. No joke. It's in the Bible. You can read it just a few verses later. That's what happens. They are more concerned about their own devotion to God than their own salvation from God. Think about that. That's crazy. They're more concerned about if they're going to follow him through, if they're going to stay the course, if they're not going to deviate, than if God's actually going to save them. That's incredible. Do you guys feel that way? Do you guys have a faith that's like that? Or is it conditional? Are you saying, God, I'm just really waiting for you to answer that prayer, and then I'll start listening to you. <laughs> I'm just really waiting for you to do something with my family, and then I'll pay attention. I'm really, really waiting. But that wasn't what stopped them. They, they didn't stop. Their faith was immovable. Earlier on, they refused to live like the world. They were not the Hebrews that were taken captive and then started following the Babylonian ways. They were different. There were many others that were taken captive with them. But they stood out. Like Jada right now. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. They refused to live like the world. And it meant they didn't worship like the world. They were different. If you live like the world, you will worship what the world worships. That's what's going to happen. If you live like the world, you will worship what they worship. You will worship what the world worships. We were made to worship. Did you guys know that? You were designed for it. You were made for it. To be a worshiper, you will always worship something. It's just a question of what it is. And the devil's constantly trying to get it misdirected. He's trying to get it to be directed towards him, or at least, if he can, not God. That's what he's all about. I've seen it so many times that those who say they worship God, but their life looks no different than the rest of the world, they just end up worshiping whatever. It, I mean, it can be themselves. It could be their job. It could be their kids. It could be their friends. It could be popularity. You name it. They're chasing something. And all the while, we're the ones that were chased down, right? God chases after us. And this is what he does. He goes in the fire with them. And saves them. He's there with them the whole time. And it's the same with us. God's always there with us, regardless of what happens. Daniel has a similar situation that happens. 
Daniel in the Bible, as, as it goes on in the book of Daniel, he gets put in a similar position where he's, he finds out, yeah, you're not supposed to worship God, you're supposed to worship this, you can't pray to this God, you can only pray to this. And he says, who cares? I'm going to pray anyways. <laughs> I'm going to worship God because that's where my worship belongs. And he does it anyways, knowing full well the consequences. And he gets thrown in a lion's den, and he doesn't die. God ends up saving him while he's in there. Keeps the lions from eating him. How many of you would like being thrown in a lion's den? It would be terrifying, right? I'd be... (laughs) Really? You're friends with lions? I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't know. If I was in that lion's den, I'd be in the corner, not cuddling a lion. <laughs> just, please, God, don't let me die. Please, God, don't let me die. I would have an all-night prayer meeting. <laughs> but God miraculously saves him. God is mighty and able to save miraculously. But what if he doesn't save you the way you thought he would? <laughs> what if the way he saves you is different than what you wanted or the way that you expected? I got a story for you. Here's an example. In this book, it's a bunch of stories of people who were bold for their faith. A lot of them died. It's called martyrs, Jesus freaks, people who were crazy for Jesus, and it cost them everything. So in this story, this is of a girl named Mary Curie. She's 17 years old. She's in Lebanon, okay? And it doesn't have an exact date, but it was sometime between 75 and 92. It was during the Lebanese Civil War. This crazy civil war that was happening there. So Mary Curry, this is the story. And her family were forced. Listen up, listen up, CJ. Mary Curry and her family were forced to their knees before their home. The leader of the Muslim fanatics who had raided their village waved his pistol carelessly before their faces. His hatred for Christians burned in his eyes. If you do not become a Muslim, he threatened, you will be shot. Mary knew Jesus had been given a similar choice. Give up your plan to save sinners, or you will be crucified. He chose the cross anyways. Mary's choice was similar. I was baptized as a Christian, she says, And his word came to me, don't deny your faith. I will obey him. Go ahead and shoot. The report of the gun from behind her echoed in the valley, and Mary's body fell limply to the ground. Two days later, the Red Cross came into her village. Of all her family, Mary was the only one still alive. This is two days later. She's been lying there. But the bullet had cut her spinal cord, leaving both her arms paralyzed. They were stretched out from her body and bent at the elbows, reminiscent of Jesus at his crucifixion. She could do nothing with them. More words from the Lord came to Mary. Even though she was now handicapped, she knew God had a plan for her life. How many of you would have faith like that? It's crazy. I'll keep going. Everyone has a vocation, she said. Vocation, not vacation. I can never marry or do any physical work, so I will offer my life for Muslims. Like the one who cut my father's throat, cursed my mother, and stabbed her, and then tried to kill me. My life will be a prayer to them. 
That's crazy. We read in the Bible two stories about how God miraculously saved people who were bold in their faith. They were unwavering. In the face of death, they said, I worship God alone. And God saved their life. Not a single hair on them was hurt. Weren't killed, weren't scratched, weren't paralyzed, nothing. Right? And then we hear this other story. Face to face with somebody who says, change your religion or I'm going to shoot you. And she says, go ahead. I'm not doing it. There's only one God I'm going to follow. Jesus has my allegiance. He gets shot. And then what? She ends up paralyzed the rest of her life. She's 17, guys. She has so many years ahead of her. And she says what she's going to do with all those years is pray for the people that tried to kill her. That's the faith she has. That her faith isn't about her. Her faith goes way beyond her. She's more concerned about the people who are trying to kill her than herself. That's wild. This is the kind of faith that we talk about. This is the kind of faith I want you guys to grasp and get an understanding. Your life can be different. You can change the world. You can do amazing things, not because of who you are, but because of who he is and who you put your faith in. Your faith is never misplaced when it's in him regardless of what happens to you. With her, she says, my life has a purpose. I would have said, gosh, this sucks. <laughs> what? God, why didn't you just kill me? I would rather have been in heaven than to live here paralyzed, never able to do anything. What is that? But no, she's actually more concerned about her persecutors. That's incredible. It's just amazing, right? Young faith can be incredibly powerful. That's what I want you guys to see. Young faith can look different and can make a difference. But if you want to make a difference, you have to be different. Your life has to be different. You can't make a difference in this world and be just like it. You got to be different. Amen? will. Mm. Good water. We may not ever find ourselves in these positions. Yes, Jane. All right. We may not ever find ourselves in these exact positions, okay? You might not find yourself face-to-face -face with somebody, got a gun in their hands and says, denounce God or I'll shoot, okay? It might happen. It has happened in our country, okay? Columbine was one situation. You didn't know. Actually happened. You might not get told, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace if you don't worship this 90-foot statue that I made out of gold because I'm amazing. Might not happen. But here's a story. We've got lots of stories for you guys. This is the last one, okay? Here's a story that you might relate to, okay? It's found in the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It's chapter 2 has this story in it. Highly suggest this book. It's amazing, okay? So Francis Chan tells a story 
about a girl that he met one time. Her name was Brooke Runkowski. She was a beautiful 14-year-old girl who was in love with Jesus. When she was in junior high, she started a Bible study on her campus. Some of you guys have done that. Started a Bible study on her campus. She spent her babysitting money on Bible. Her job, the money she made to do with whatever she wanted. She spent it on Bibles so she could give them out at her uns- to her unsaved friends. Youth pastors who heard about this brought her boxes of Bibles to give away. I would do the same. Brooke wrote the following essay when she was about 12. It will give you an idea of the kind of girl she was. It's titled, Since I Have My Life Before Me. 12 years old, she writes this. I'll live my life to the fullest. I'll be happy. I'll brighten up. I will be more joyful than I have ever been. I will be kind to others. I will loosen up. I will tell others about Christ. I will go on adventures and change the world. I will be bold and not change who I really am. I will have no troubles, but instead help others with their troubles. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. Oh, I'll have moments, good and bad, but I will wipe away the bad and only remember the good. In fact, that's all I'll remember. Just good moments, nothing in between. Just living my life to the fullest. I'll be one of those people who go somewhere with a mission, an awesome plan, a world-changing plan, and nothing will hold me back. I'll set an example for others. I will pray for direction. I have my life before me. I will give others the joy I have, and God will give me more joy. I will do everything God tells me to do. I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. Twelve years old, she writes that. During her freshman year in high school, during her freshman year in high school, she's 14 at this point, okay? Track with me. During her freshman year in high school, Brooke was in a car accident. Okay, listen up. She was in a car accident while driving to the movies. Her life on earth ended, listen up, her life on earth ended when she was just 14, but her impact didn't. CJ, come on. She was just 14, but her impact did not stop. Nearly 1,500 people attended her memorial service. 1,500. That's a lot. We have had a funeral in this room before for a teenager. 500 were here. Imagine three times that. That's amazing. She left an impact, right? People from her public high school read poems she had written about her love for God. Everyone spoke, to, spoke of her example and her joy. I shared the gospel, this is Francis Chan, and invited those who wanted to know Jesus to come up and give their lives to him. There must have been at least 200 students on their knees at the front of the church praying for salvation. Ushers gave a Bible to each of them. They were Bibles that Brooke had kept in her garage, hoping to give out. Hoping to give out to all of them. She, guys, this story is incredible. Her life went well beyond her years. She made an impact 
most people don't even do with their whole life, and they live for decades. Her short life was not wasted. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. It was prophetic, guys. (laughs) She was doing it. She probably had different intentions, different plans in her life. I'm sure she had big plans. And in a moment, all that changed. What kind of life do you want to leave behind? You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never even know if you're going to make it to tomorrow. You don't. And for her, she lived every life like it was possibly her last. Every single day she lived was with the intention to make a difference now. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow. Sure, I've got big plans later, but I've got big plans now. I can make a difference here, wherever I am. And she did. Over 200 people. It's crazy. I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten 200 people saved. <laughs> With me, when I get money, I don't. if I buy a Bible, it's for myself. <laughs> right? You get a cheap one. <laughs> Still the Word of God. <laughs> but what do you guys do with the money you're given? <laughs> do you spend it on yourself all the time? Pay bills. It's important. Okay, I don't want to disregard that. Pay your bills, it's important. (laughs) But do you ever think, what can I do with this to make a difference? How can I change the world around me? How can I do something that makes me a history maker? Romans 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Everyone say from faith. faith. For faith. faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Righteous shall live by faith. Yes. That marks everyone that I read. Every one of those stories. I am not ashamed. Are you ashamed? Or are you not ashamed? Does your life live like you're ashamed, or does it live like you're not? For Brooke, she lived with the expectation of making a difference every day, regardless of what people think of her. And when she died, people thought a lot of her. 1,500 people there. That's incredible. Got 200 people saved. She's not even on the planet anymore. That's mind-blowing. Like I said, most Christians live their whole life and never even get that many saved. What are you doing with your faith? And I want you to think that she never did anything enjoyable and fun. She died on the way to a movie. She was a teenager. You're allowed to have fun, do things that are enjoyable. What's that? Huh? All I got to say is whatever movie she was watching or going to go watch was probably something 
that wasn't unrighteous. <laughs> That's commendable. And God said, well done, when he saw her. It doesn't matter what movie she was watching. It matters what she was doing with her life. What are you doing with yours? Are you doing something to make a difference? Are you? Starting a prayer group at her school? Yes, Sam. Okay, here's the wrap-up. All right, listen up. Guys, I want these stories to inspire you. I want them to be something that says, well, there's people that are my age that do that stuff. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, I read these stories, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing with my life? I told that to John over dinner. (laughs) He's like, I feel like, what? That's crazy. Daniel lived his life unashamed. Brooke lived her life unashamed. Mary lived her life unashamed. The, the Lebanese girl that I shared. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived unashamed. Are you going to live unashamed? That's my question for you. Are you? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that we have these stories to boost our faith, to encourage our faith. Reminded of Hebrews 11 that has a list of people having amazing faith in the Old Testament. We've got an endless list throughout the history of mankind to glean from, to learn from. Stories like the ones that I read tonight. There's stories of people that are here in the church. Amazing things that have happened. Testimonies of your goodness. God, I pray that those things would boost our faith. I pray we wouldn't look at them and go, well, I'm just a terrible Christian. But that we would say, wow, you are a good God. And you move when people pray. When people have a heart for people, you do something with it. God, I pray that we would have a heart for people. God, I pray that our faith would be bigger than ourselves, that we would start to have faith that moves mountains. There are many, many mountains that need to be moved. Many problems in this city, problems in this schools here, problems in this country that are never going to change if people don't start praying, if people don't start making a difference in proclaiming the truth of God. May we be people that carry your name and are not ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen.